Hey everyone, it is great to be with you. It's great to dive into the scriptures. And today we are going to be talking about I am forgiver. This is going to hit on identity and this is going to transform, hopefully, not only how we see Jesus, but also how we see ourselves and the implications for how we live that out. Now, um, if you are close to Emily and I these days, you know kind of a little hobby thing we're doing in our spare time is starting vegetable gardens in people's backyards. And it's been it's been really fun. Uh, but what this has done for me is given me a new lens for every patch of grass that I see. And so here, I'm putting a picture up on the screen of a beautiful patch of grass, a nice backyard. And uh, for most of us, we see that and we're like, oh, that's a great backyard with a little picnic bench area. But what this gardening adventure has done is it has changed my lens. I don't see that patch of grass anymore. Here's another picture. This is what I see, an abundant vegetable garden. I see Spots for carrots, tomatoes, stuff that can feed people and sustain life and, uh, and that involves uh, people getting in there and taking care of it and tending it and, and uh, no longer just a, just, a, a, just a blank piece of grass that, that sits there. Um, and, uh, and then here's another picture. If you're walking through a neighborhood, you know, this is often what you would see. Uh, the front of the houses to look like. This isn't what I see anymore. I have a new lens. Instead, here's another picture. This is what I see in front of every house now. Ooh, this would be a great spot for a garlic patch. And that's exactly what that is there. Who knew garlic looked like that, by the way? Just this tall, stock, bushy thing. I had no idea. All of, all of that just to get this tiny little bulb. And oh boy, is garlic so good and tasty. And the second you put it in that frying pan, just mwah, just the whole room changes. Here we go. Um, and so uh, I want us to address the fact that as we talk about forgiveness, as we talk about who Jesus is, and we approach this passage, we all have a certain lens that's gonna that's gonna taint how we see some things. And like I was at a uh, I was at a little conference. Um, what is yesterday for me at the time of this filming, where uh, uh, the CEO of a major Christian organization was talking about um, city developers, right? And how, uh, and, and imagine being a city developer. They must, they must have a totally different lens when they walk through the city of what they see when they see the city, right? If, if I now, just in my little uh, gardening hobby, see a patch of grass and imagine something totally different, what about a city developer? What do they imagine when they look at an entire neighborhood? Or how about... Um, how about someone like uh, like a day trader in the stock market or whatever, right? When they approach things, do they does their lens change and and everything then become about how much money can I leverage off of the momentum here that's happening in this short period of time, right? Or what about uh, a potter or an artist, right? Does everything they see then become an opportunity for expressing some kind of inner emotion or felt need or something like that? What about an accountant? When they walk by a small business, do they not just see the small business, but numbers, expenses, and um, uh, and and revenue, and how that balances out, and is that going to succeed, right? Um, and so this uh, this this leader of this Christian organization was saying that um, that a lot of people saw this city developer uh, as a mean, horrible person, right? That's 
a lens we have towards city developers. And she managed to, I was so impressed, she managed to get uh, city developers and church leaders and media people and businesses and all these different people in the room to talk to each other about how they can solve issues of um, poverty and homelessness. And she said that the city developer was actually so willing and so kind and so generous. And I was like, wow, when we, when we, but so many people, especially in my neighborhood, the way they see city developers is mean and evil and taking. And the lens that we have can totally taint how we see a lot of things. And so, um, if I want to put forward today that if we have the lens, the way we see the world of I am a forgiver, that it will totally transform everything about how we approach our life, our relationships, and even navigate our way through the world. Because we will be inviting people and we will be going out into uh, the desire for reconciliation, the desire for um, something beautiful to emerge, the desire to repair things and build things and not just tear things down. What we can tend to do, and this is not all of us, but and, and this is not even some of us all the time, right? This changes and this can happen where we put on this lens of maybe a victim where everything that happens to us becomes a crime that needs to be punished or justice needs to be exacted exactly in the way that we see fit, right? There's a lens that taints how we see a situation, um, circumstance, or person. Um, and, uh, and so hopefully the lens of a forgiver putting on a new lens will transform relationship and, uh, and offense for us. So, um, so we all have this. And now uh, I just want to give a, a quick little note on since we're going to talk about forgiveness, there's a lot of messages on forgiveness. And this is part of the lens that we need to have on when we talk about this today. A lot of messages out there on forgiveness that are about the benefits of forgiveness for yourself. And that that's not the part of this that we're going to touch today. We're going to put on the lens of I am a forgiver for the sake of the world and God's mission and all the people around me. And there may be some benefits to you as well, right? Like you're not, uh, you're not trapped in bitterness anymore and you can live free from anxiety and stuff like that. And that stuff is totally possible and can happen. Um, but let's not see that as the motivation, the goal or the main lens in which we view this. Let's see that as maybe the cherry on top or just something that comes along by God's grace as we live in God's economy. <clears throat> um, and, and the proper lens here is to see this as, um, like we talk about in Ephesians 3, and as the, the entire reason we are named Trinity Life Church is that we actually are entering into the eternal purpose of God to see people come into the body of Christ, to, uh, to live the Trinitarian lifestyle, to live the one another's. Um, when I'm a forgiver, I get to go out and, uh, and see all things reconciled back to Jesus Christ. So that's the lens we want to have on today as we approach this passage and as we approach um, forgiveness. So, all right, uh, this might help us 
as well interpret this, right? As we were setting up these gardens, um, we're gonna put a picture on the screen. Uh, in one of them, there was this, well, we thought it was a weed. It's called burdock, and this is what it looks like, right? And it was all over the place. And the roots go deep down and long, and they're really hard to get out. And we thought it was a weed, right? And uh, sometimes in your garden, if you are a forgiver, right, there may be things uh, that are weeds or that you think are weeds. But this is what I learned about burdock, that it's one of the only plants in the entire world that contains every, all 102 minerals that the human body needs. That's pretty cool. But I thought it was a weed, something that had to be excised and taken out of the garden, right? And sometimes... Topics like this can be seen as, or the situations that arise in topics like this can be seen as weeds that need to be excised instead of the very exact thing that you need to sustain your life. And some of the situations you go through um, will be seen as weeds when actually they're meant to give you life, right? And here's, here's an example. You don't like when somebody comes up to you and, and, and reminds you of the good things of God and says, hey, we miss you in community. Where have you been? Um, we love you. We want to carry your burdens for you and with you. We, we, you know, and so, hey, like, come back, be with us, right? And you're like, hey, I forgive you for bringing that up, right? It's like, no, that's not it. This is burdock right here. This is not something that is, that is a nuisance in bringing you death. This is actually something somebody is doing for you that's going to bring you life. And so be careful of as we learn how to discern forgiveness and offense in a new way. Hopefully we have a better uh, ability to discern what is a weed and what is actually something that's good and beneficial for you. And I hope this passage in Matthew 18 does a little bit of that um, for us along the way. Okay, so. Let's hit up these verses right here. Matthew 18, let's start in verse 21 and 22. Let's read those together. All right. So, uh, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. That's interesting. A <laughs> um, couple things to point out. One, he's talking about his brother. So we can't, for us, this is relationships within the church. You know, this is our brothers and sisters in Christ. These are familial relationships that are supposed to be regular and consistent and close. Okay. Um, and so what we're not going to talk about today with forgiveness and, uh, and offense is those um those situations that are that are really wild and crazy that come on that come on the fringes of that, right? Like uh, somebody somebody finds you in a dark alley and and steals your wallet from you and beats you up and stuff. And and just for sake of time, we're going to leave those things to the side, right? And you have to forgive that person who offended you and all this stuff. Um, we're going to focus on the regular, consistent relationships that you have around you every day, our brothers and our sisters who sin against us, okay? Um, all right, and <laughs> I find it interesting here that Peter, uh, he says as many as seven times, 
And already he's playing an interesting game, right? So what I learned as I was studying this is that in Jewish culture, uh, it would have been very generous, uh, kind, and and you know righteous of you potentially as a person to forgive someone three times. And so he's like, Jesus, look, you know, am I? This is my perception of it, right? Jesus, am I like so great if I do it seven? You know, if I, you know, almost. Two and a half X, the amount of times that I forgive somebody based on what's already good. Like, am I like really good? I mean, they just got out of uh, an interesting uh, argument at the beginning of the chapter about who's the greatest, right? <laughs> right? Who's the greatest disciple uh, of them? And so you see Peter potentially still playing this game, right? If I forgive, you know, not three, but seven, am I great? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh. You know, you, <laughs> like, uh, actually, hey, Peter. You know that I don't. I don't even say that. I don't even say the best that religious the religious folks of the day can come up with, and I don't even say two and a half times the best that the religious folks could come up with in the day. He's actually saying, "I'm going to go 25x on the religious norm of three times. I'm going to I'm going to just blow that out of the water and say 77 times." You're like, whoa. We are just so far off from the kingdom economy, just there in those two verses. Am I right? Imagine then, imagine then if, if Jesus is a forgiver with, with I mean, basically what he's saying, infinite grace, infinite forgiveness. Imagine if we could even just do 77 times, if we could do a 25x, if we could so a 25x returns into the world of forgiveness, right? Just, I forgive you. I have mercy on you. I forgive you. 25 times the expectation. What harvest would come out of that? That's crazy to think about. What harvest would come out of that? Um, there's, a, there's another verse where um, Jesus talks about different types of soil. And he says, even if we make deposits of God's word into good soil, and he talks about it as seeds, he says, we will get 100x our return. A hundredfold. That's amazing. Those are returns that people only dream of on their money. Imagine our world if we invested as much in people with seeds of grace and forgiveness. That would be beautiful. Let's go to verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. And I'll just pause here real quick to just say something that's a little bit unrelated, but um, just to remind us to view the world with a kingdom lens. Right? He says, may be compared to a king. I just want to bless you to be a storyteller, a parable teller, to look out into the world and see the economy of God's kingdom 
in the most mundane things and use that to teach others about the amazing things that happen in God's economy. Okay, that's it. So there we go. So it's going to be compared to um, a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. There's some interesting dynamics at play. Let's read now verses 24 to 31 in their entirety again, and I'll make some slight comments, and then we'll talk a lot about it. So here we go. So uh, when he began to settle, one was brought to him uh, who owed him 10 thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Wow, that's unreal. And I'm going to tell you in a minute why that's unreal. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. Like grabbing him around the neck right after he was forgiven that debt, grabbing him around the neck, saying, pay what you owe, choking him. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. I don't know how that's supposed to work, by the way. If you put someone in prison, I don't know how they're supposed to pay off your debt, but that's what this guy did. There's probably something at play here that I haven't researched or understood about that. But anyway, when his fellow servants uh, saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Okay, there's a lot, a lot in here. First off, um, let's talk about the debt that's at hand here, because I don't know if we're going to be able to understand forgiveness properly uh, until we really unpack uh, this parable and, and let's start here with this debt. There's two debts, okay? One of them is uh, 10,000 talents. Okay, let's do, for all of you accountants out there, right? We're settling accounts. And so, Matt, you with me? Here we go, buddy. Uh, let's talk about money. 10,000 talents. How much is that? Well, do a little bit of calculation. In today's money, that is Seven billion seven hundred and ten million dollars. That's almost eight billion dollars. Okay, I don't know what this guy was doing that he racked up an eight billion dollar debt with somebody, but that's the situation at the moment. Okay, now imagine if you're you know, his servant, I don't exactly know what his job was, but let's just say, you know, he's working a job in downtown Toronto uh, for this guy doing stuff in his household or maybe with one of his businesses or whatever. Um, And imagine if, pause here too, real quick. Imagine the guy who he owed the debt to, he has infinitely more money than $8 billion, 
because this is just one account with one servant, $8 billion, okay? He has so many more accounts, by the way. So this is, this is a baller, man. This is like, unlike anybody we have in any of our lives, okay? All right, all right, all right moving along. So let's say he's making $50,000 a year to try and pay back this debt. And let's say there's no interest. And let's say it's not adjusted for inflation every single year. This is how long it would take him to pay it back, okay? And if you were this guy, it would take you 154,200 years to pay off that debt. 154,200 years. If you made $50,000 a year and gave every single penny of that to pay off the debt. So you're not paying a debt. You're not paying it back. And this guy is not paying it back. There's no way. That is, his kids will be slaves. His kids' kids will be slaves. His kids' 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 kids will continue to carry on as servants. His kids' 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 kids, like this would go on forever and his family in eternal debt. Now imagine this was adjusted for inflation or there was any interest on that loan at all. He's never getting out. Him and his family are eternally stuck in debt to this, uh, to this person. And he now goes out after being totally released, totally set free from that debt. And he goes to collect. There's some people who owe him, interestingly enough, right? And there's somebody who owes, what was it exactly again? A uh, hundred denarii. Okay, so I did some math on this. In today's money, 100 denarii, it's about five months wages. Okay, and the equivalent, so let's say, let's say that person also makes $50,000 a year. Let's say that's the equivalent of $21,000 today. Okay, $21,000 is what they owe him. He just got forgiven $8 billion. Somebody owes him $21,000. 21 versus 8 billion. And he got forgiven, and this is what he decides is acceptable to do. To go up to this person, grab them with both hands around the neck, choke them to get them to pay it back, and when they say they can't and plead for uh, you know, say they were, say they're going to do it, right? And have patience. He decides to throw them in jail. Wow. Aren't we just like that? Aren't we just like that? How about you? How's it going for you? What I find interesting, and we're totally like this, is there's no benefit of the doubt given. No honest inquiry about how it's going. No, not really a, a, a good biblical, you know, due process here, you know. How about you? Do you give the benefit of the doubt? 
Do you allow for honest, open inquiry? Or you just go straight for the jugular? How about this? This is probably more the case in our, in our culture. It's just easier if someone slights us just a little bit, you know? Maybe even, let's say, let's give you the full benefit of the doubt and say they sinned against you, right? It's easier, and this is probably most often the case, we just kind of start ghosting. We show up a little less. We don't respond as quickly in text or maybe just ignore that call or email. Other things in other communities and other places in our life, remember this is our brother, Christian brothers and sisters, other things in other communities and other places start to take priority a little more often. We kind of just gossip about it with those new people we found or uh, whoever you decide to keep close to you through this season of your life, right? What happens there is instead of sowing seeds into a beautiful garden of unity, yeah, we start gossiping and start to cause division. We start to taint that other person's view of the person who owes the debt. And we start to see the whole world then slowly but surely one offense after another by various people for various reasons. This becomes our new way of seeing the world. This is our new way of defining our role in the world. Those people let me down. Those people let me down. I'll just take care of myself now. And instead of a forgiver, now I'm just a victim. If Jesus forgives the sins of the world, which for you, that's your $8 billion debt. Please don't go for the jugular and throw someone in jail for $21,000. Let's try not to do that to each other as a community and as a church. Let's instead take on the role that Jesus takes on of a forgiver to reconcile things back to Christ, to see people restored and lifted up, that we would constantly remember that the King of all kings forgave us the $8 billion. And he sows seeds of forgiveness that should totally transform the way we live our life. And every time somebody takes $21,000 from us, it's not a problem because I now have an unlimited bank account. An unlimited bank account. I just want to spend one minute and a timer will go up on the screen. Just think about who you may be holding up for account, either literally right now by the neck or maybe someone who's been in jail for a while in your life. You've put them in a prison. 
Let's spend a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the status of our relationships around us to us so that we can see them clearly and properly. So let's take one minute and just ask God, God, who am I holding up by the neck right now? And who have I put in prison? And let's see what the Lord reveals to us. just going to pray for us right now. God, would you change our hearts? Would you transform us so that we would join into the work of forgiveness so that we would also release captives instead of putting them in prison? May my garden be a full and holistic ecosystem of the kingdom of God where I embrace everything that you have that is good for me there. The things that I perceive as weeds are actually there for my life and thriving. The things that are actually weeds, may I be a good gardener and get them out. And may I design along with my brothers and sisters a beautiful garden and not choke people out by the neck, and not throw people in prison. I pray this in Jesus' name. I hope that something was on, someone was on your mind there, not because a horrible situation has been going on, but so that you can now join in as, as a forgiver like Jesus. And there's still so much to unpack in this passage. Here we are in verse 32 to 34. And let this be a great warning to us if we did not take the Holy Spirit's prompting seriously as we were asking him to reveal stuff to us. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. That may make some of you go, whoa. I can't imagine Jesus would say something like that. It may just be that serious. And that necessary. Now, I'm not going to go full on and say, if you don't forgive someone, 
then you've lost your salvation and you're going to be in an eternal fire. Okay, we're not going to go that far, right? But let's be open that it really might be that serious. And so we should be eager. If you've really been forgiven $8 billion, we should be eager to forgive. It should actually be joyous for us, not just a chore. And he says, continuing to verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's focus on from the heart, not just from your mouth. I hear a lot of people, you know, it's like, hey, I forgive you. And it just comes out of their mouth. But the way they act is not, it's not out of a place of forgiveness. And I know it's really hard. And sometimes you just have to start by saying it so that maybe it's this prayer that is constantly transforming you by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you actually do forgive in your heart. I get that. But let's be reminded that sometimes, let's not be tricked, rather, by the fact that just because the outside of our cup is clean, that that means the inside of our cup is clean. And as we look to be forgivers, constantly ask the Lord to clean you from the inside out so that what comes out of your mouth is genuine and true. Your yes is yes and your no is no. And for those of us going, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do I start? My brother sinned against me. I don't even know where to start. What do I do? What does it really look like? Okay. And I'm just going to do this real quick for us. And it's, it's really nice that right before this section, Jesus tells us exactly what to do. Exactly what to do. Right? This is Matthew 18, the verses that are very common in, you know, church discipline processes Right. This is starting verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go out, tell him his fault between you and him alone. You know who's not there? Your other friends. Right. It's just you and the person who sinned against you. If you are a forgiver. It's on us to go and reconcile first. If you think if there's some perception here that something's broken between you and somebody else. And I get it. It's so hard. And I screwed up all the time. And I'm likely to be a coward, just like you are likely to be a coward and not want to go reconcile face to face alone with them. But that's the first step. That's what you have to do. And I can understand the fear because the fear is that it won't work out. It's not going to go well. They're not going to understand. I won't be heard or you don't understand how bad it was. The thing they did to me, I get it, but that's not your identity. You are a forgiver. We are forgivers. Jesus is forgiver. And if it doesn't work out, look, he gives us step number two. (laughs) Like, thank you, Jesus, for making it so clear because I get it. It's really hard. Step two, 
he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. This goes back to an Old Testament process of reconciliation, right? And a couple tips here on that. Don't gossip and gossip and gossip about this situation so that you have an army behind you when you approach that person. Just tell them generally a couple things. Hey, I'm, I'm struggling here. Can you come and, and witness the reconciliation process? I'm going to try again with this person. I just want you there with me. And if you're wondering, who, well, who should that person be that I can take with me? You know, or those two or three, right? Who, who should they be? Um, start with somebody of spiritual authority in your community. So for us, like take your R3 leader along. That would be a great place to start. Hey, R3 leader, you know, I really need help. You know, our three leaders, plural, if you're in a region and there's a couple leaders there, take them with you to try and help figure out what the problem is. If you've done step one in this process correctly, probably 99% of things can be solved right there. And the 1% can probably be solved right here at step number two. And step number three says to go before uh, the assembly right? Bring them before. Uh, well, we'll leave it at that. And if you ever get to that point, which I pray would never be the case that a grievance goes past that one and two, just talk to our three, an R3 leader or an elder um, at our church, and we will help you with step number three. Because guys, this this has more significance in your most intimate relationships than so much. And that's exactly why in chapter 19, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he went away from Galilee and entered the region and a large crowd followed him and he healed them there, etc. And guess what they start asking him about in chapter 19? Marriage and divorce. Marriage and divorce. This stuff will play itself out in your most Close relationships first. And so please, please defend that by taking on the identity of a forgiver. We have seen some sad, horrible situations arise because of bitterness and a lack of forgiveness. And don't let that be your story. Take on the identity of Christ. Let's all be master gardeners in our relationships. Help create beautiful, abundant places of life and thriving and watch out for, like Song of Songs says, the little foxes that sneak in and eat the, out the roots of your grapevines, especially in your marriages. And I'm excited for what this can become if we so generously and abundantly the seeds of forgiveness out into our society, into good soil, and especially in our marriages, in our most close relationships in our church. I bless you with that word to take on the identity of Christ. I am forgiver.